Coming to you from the empty halls of McGrath High School, this is the Viral Buzz. My name's Jordan Brame and I will be your host. Let's dive in. It's been six long weeks since the world shut down, but here at McGrath High School, we are still plugging away. The halls are empty, but teachers are here creating and delivering online content to help you, students and parents, to navigate through this new normal of online learning. Sometimes it feels like we're in a recording studio, as many of the classes have signs on the door that make sure that you understand that they are recording so that you don't interrupt the video that they're trying to put together. Here in the art room, it is quiet. Too quiet. I miss the students, I miss the energy of learning and growth. I can't say I missed the smell of the grade 7s right after gym, though. We'll just call that a silver line. Well, we've got a great show lined up for you this week. I tracked down the woman behind the mask, Sheila Robinson, the organizer of the group that's been making and delivering masks for workers at essential businesses and services to help protect their health. I also visited with PS3 student teacher Brad Baker, the purveyor of the widely popular Jerry's Pop Shop and business professional, mother, and home learning director in the Shearlink household out in Del Bonita, Jody Shearlink, about some strategies to make the most of home learning. This is going to be a good one, and you're not going to want to miss a second, but we'll get to all that and more. But first, let's get you caught up on the buzz. Many people are starting to notice a new vocabulary of terms and phrases that have been coined in the COVID-19 era. These linguistic treasures are known as corona-speak. And while they might not be phrases that will last the test of time, they certainly are accurate of our world today. For example, a coronacation is a quote-unquote vacation from your job, travel, friends, restaurants, recreational activities, and realistically, pretty much anything that we might associate with a vacation. Those experiencing extended coronacations are said to have become coronalusional from time to time. And that is to say that their concept of reality has become severely warped as a result of the unending social isolation. This phenomenon may begin with the individual gaining what is referred to as the COVID-19. The COVID-19 is similar to the freshman 15. It refers to the weight gained while staying home over the last six weeks. Inevitably, the COVID-saturated news has reported on a number of coronaspiracy theories, not the least of which include tales of a virus created in a laboratory and weaponized against the entire world by the government of China and none other than Bill Gates. Related, but slightly different from the coronaspiracy theorists, are the armchair virologists. These unqualified but well-read individuals know everything there is to know about the virus at least everything that they can read about it on their Twitter newsfeed. They're quick to brand anyone and everyone not falling into strict adherence with governmental orders as COVIDiots, Corona deniers, or flu bros. As in, it's just the flu, bro. And then there are the disaster capitalists, the ones that you see on Facebook that are willing to part with their stockpile of hand sanitizer, toilet paper, or other COVID scarcity items, for merely two or three times, sometimes more, the average store price. So, ramp up your studies while you hunker down in self-isolation because we still have a long way to go as we flatten the curve of the pandemic while weathering the storm of the pan session. 
You are all Quarren Queens and Quarren Kings for making it this far. Just watch out for the Quarren Sheen that shows up on Zoom if you haven't showered in a few days. Give yourself a Corona Cut, put on your nicest upperwear, read a Quarren or listen to your favorite Quarren tunes while you wait for the rest of your Quarren team to show up on your Zoom call. Also make sure to threaten your younger siblings, children's, or pets to be on their best behavior so you do not become the victim of a Zoom bombing. What an interesting and ridiculous world we live in. Okay, so I tried to catch up with the very busy Sheila Robinson, who is headmanning a project to make sanitary masks for workers at essential services and businesses. To date, they have sewn from scratch over 1,700 masks, with more on the way. All right, so I'm here with Sheila Robinson. Now, Sheila, you've been you've been doing a special project lately. Um, tell us a little bit about about how you got into it and sort of um, how it's grown over time. So when I started doing this project, which is making masks for um, the frontline workers and for seniors in their senior facilities, I actually just started with the thought that I needed a new project to do at home and was thinking that I needed to work on, I don't know, making a quilt or something. And then I thought, no, I need to make some masks. So I happened to post that on Facebook that I was going to make some masks. And then lo and behold, there were many people who said, hey, that's a really good idea. Can we get involved? And so it's just kind of snowballed from there in that we have now um, 33 people who take rotations for sewing the masks. We've had at least 39 people contributing as far as materials, 100% cotton or flannel they'll donate, and also elastic, which is our gold. So anybody who has any elastic, we're, we are just so very grateful for any donations that they have. Um, we have people, when we first started doing this, I had to gather the material, wash it all, iron it, cut it, and then sew the masks. And now we actually have so many people who would like to be involved, but some can't sew, but are willing to wash or iron. And so they've been able to do that. Um, and they use my front step as a drop-off zone, and I put things in a bag with their name on it. People come by and pick up supplies, and then they bring it back, and I send it to somebody else, or I do it myself as far as cutting the material then we have people who sort it so that we can make packets to give to people if they just want to take a certain amount to make 20 masks home. They'll have a front and a back and the elastics all in a little plastic bag. They pick it up and take it home. They bring it back. They either want more or they'll take a break. We have people who are surging one of the patterns of the masks. We have four different, no, three different patterns that people are following. Um, we have people who sew the masks. We have so many people who are helping, and it's just amazing to me the support the community has been able to do. We've been taking the masks to, we first started taking it to the post office here in McGrath, with Roosters, Blue Goose, the banks, and then we've also taken some to gas stations, fast food places, where and grocery stores. Uh, these people just cry with gratitude, especially when the masks were in a shortage of supply and they couldn't get their own. They were very grateful that we 
thought of them. And so it's been very touching to see how these people react. This project just lets you help so many people and you hear their gratitude and you see it in their eyes. And so, no, it's, it's been, it's actually been very wonderful to even see families coming together to help make these projects. They're learning, they're doing home ec in their school to do these service projects, um, learn how to sew or cut the material and they're coming together and spending time. And so, no, it's actually been very wonderful to see how many lives it's actually touched. Yeah. That's great. That's so cool. Well, I, Sheila, I mean, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to slow down and, and chat with us for a minute and share some of the good that you're, that you're spreading in the world right now. Um, thank you. Thank you for being a great example to all of us. Well, you're very welcome. We just appreciate everybody who's been willing to help. Like I said, they just have been the answers to prayers to get this going. Thanks again, Sheila, for all you're doing for our community and for your valuable service and leadership. Next up, we have Brad Baker. Brad was right in the middle of his PS3 student teaching internship here at McGrath High School when school was canceled. And although his internship was much shorter than anticipated, we still see him here in McGrath on the sweet occasions when Jerry's Pop Shop rolls into town. Brad joined me for a phone interview to talk about his experiences in the school and on the street. Sweet. So I am recording now as well. Awesome. All right. Well, I am here with Brad Baker. Now, Brad is, he's got a lot of connections to Southern Alberta, to McGrath High School, and recently to the business community in McGrath. Uh, Brad, why don't you take a second and just just give us like the one minute history of Brad Baker. Yeah. So, well, I grew up in Raymond. Um, I went to Raymond High School. And then after I graduated, I went to University of Alberta. Um, I started at U of A in the faculty of business. I wanted to be a businessman. And I started on that path and kind of switched it up really quick because I wanted to live in Southern Alberta and I didn't know if there was very many business opportunities down here. Um, so I switched it up to to education, which is actually what I, like, I've learned very quickly. That's what I really wanted to do because I, I love teaching and I love working with with students and helping people get the best out of themselves. So anyway, I switched it up to education and um yeah, that's where that's what kind of brought me to to teach in McGrath. That I I did my final student teaching in McGrath, which got cut short because of the coronavirus, which was right. actually unfortunate because I was loving my time there, but it opened up a, a a strange window for our little business that we started with Jerry's Pop Shop, where a lot of people were in the same situation as I was and didn't have much to do. So um, we've actually been pretty busy with Jerry's Pop Shop. Um, I got married to a girl from McGrath, Megan Anderson. Um, and so we're actually using her parents' house as our home base for Jerry's. And it's been pretty good. Yeah, it's kept us busy. Yeah, I, I drove by the other day and I thought there was like a family reunion going on. There was cars <laughs> up and down the streets, you know. Yeah. Not very not very common to see these days. Um, so tell me about tell me about how Jerry's started. Like what gave you the idea to do it? What like what was the what was the first day of, of selling Jerry's pop shop pops like for you? 
Yeah, so it started, so my family, we have a sister that lives in Idaho, in Idaho Falls, and they have a couple of these little pop shops around Idaho Falls, and every time we go down, we stopped multiple times a day to get a pop, and we loved it, and finally, I was like, you know what, this is crazy, because there's always big lineups at these pop shops, so I was like, man, we got to ask this guy what, like, what his secret is, so we talked to the guy there. And he kind of gave us some advice on if we wanted to start one here. And it was a lot of work, but he's like, they love it here. And so we decided after we came back from our trip last summer that we were going to start one. And we thought it was just going to be a quick throw up a business and start. But it took a lot of work to to renovate a trailer and to to get a business license and to get registered and legally do it, which we had no clue about. But we started in September on a weekend. We just randomly opened. We didn't know if anyone was going to show up or we didn't know if we had enough stuff, like enough equipment. Um, and we opened up our first day and it was slammed the whole day. We were open for five hours our first day and, and did literally didn't have a break in the five hours. And so when we finished, we were like, man, maybe we... So first of all, we need to order more cups. That's where we were at after day one. <laughs> And then secondly, one. yeah. And then secondly, we were like, we, we need, this is something that people actually want. So it started from there and we kept going about every other weekend and then it's just picked up recently. So that's awesome. And kind of like the, the genius of the business, you're selling pop, but it's not just a fountain drink. Like it, there's additives. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what makes Jerry's pop shop special. Yeah. So, so what, Jerry's Pop Shop is. I should have included this earlier, but um, <laughs> what Jerry's Pop Shop is is we take a fountain drink, so it has to be fountain pop. If you're a pop drinker, you understand what I'm talking about. And we put okay. it in a foam cup. We have the good pebble ice, and then we take that fountain drink and we add ingredients to it, like like fruit flavors, like coconut lime. Um, we have fresh lime. We have purees that are blended fruit, and we also have cream. And so we add those in and different pops and make different mixtures that, that people seem to enjoy. That seem to be highly addictive too. Yeah, Is it, that does right? seem to, <laughs> it does seem to be highly addictive. Like I said, whenever we went down to Idaho, we got multiple ourselves. Right, right. No, that's, that's fantastic. So coming from your, your background in business, do you feel like schooling prepared you for what you're doing with Jerry's Pop Shop? Or do you feel like a lot of it was just kind of like learning with your feet on the ground? To be 100%, like I was not prepared to start Jerry's Pop Shop. So my brother and I, we, we started it together. We're, we're a 50-50 ownership. And it's been a learn-as-you-go process. We, we've spent way more money than we needed to like getting started because we just made mistakes. <laughs> So it was right. honestly kind of a, a trial and error start, but I don't know. It was, it, it worked out good. I feel like I learned more starting this than I could have in any business class. Right. Cause yeah. my, like I started with business classes and I really enjoyed them, but they deal with a lot of things that I, you don't run into in the real world. And so right. there is a lot of things that are hands-on that were just kind of trial and error and we got there eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I feel like there's something special about that, that it's not just a cookie cutter model, you know, like you took an idea that was really, really good. You, you put your own personal twist on it and, and, you know, and customize it for people here in Southern Alberta. 
Now, with how successful, I feel like obviously because people are shut up in their homes and because it's something that they can go do here in McGrath or in Raymond or wherever you guys are at that day, like I feel like there's obviously like it's a little bit more successful given the current circumstances. Do you do you feel like there's any opportunity though where this could become more than just kind of a like a side hustle or a, or a summer thing? Like, do you see this being something where you open up a couple stores or or put your products in different different places? Do you see it growing on that scale? Yeah, like we're we're we've talked about it. We've definitely talked about it. I, we're we're still kind of testing the water to see if this is a fad or if this is something that people would consistently be interested in in the long term, right? Like so um in, initially we we started it I'm I'm going to be a teacher and I'm really excited to teach, but in the summers I wanted to have something that my future kids could work with me and we could do something together in the to to teach them how to work and to to give them a little income from me where I know where it's coming from. And right. so that's honestly how we started it. Like we, we started it with the idea that we'd go to like some events in Southern Alberta, like McGrath days and July 1st and some different things like that. Um, but then like with the, the, like the reaction from people recently we we have thought a couple times, like, man, I wonder if we did open another one or I wonder if we did kind of expand how people would react but I don't feel like either my brother and I, we don't really have that much time to do that and to fully commit right now. So it's kind right. of just, we're just opening like coronavirus as awful as it's been, like has, has kind of helped the business perspective uh, just cause right. people in Raymond and McGrath don't really have anything to do right now. So it's, it's fun to have something for people to come do and it's been it's been cool for our business to to experience higher numbers. So, right, you know, I I, I listen to a few different podcasts, and one of the things that I hear people saying cons- consistently is that like the economy really is only down to those who are employees. If you're an employee, yeah, the economy's down. But if you're an entrepreneur, uh, if you have that entrepreneurial mindset. Like this is, this is the time for things to happen because everything's in flux. Everything is in, is changing. The rules are being rewritten. And so to be able to see an opportunity and, and to know when is the right time to, to make a move on something like this, like is super valuable. Um, if you were to like, so put on your teacher hat right now, um, the, the viewership or the listenership of the viral buzz is now your classroom. What would you teach our listeners about starting a business, about what the economy is like right now? Like if you were just to give them some advice on, on you know, creating a side hustle or a full-on business, what, would you, what, what advice would you have to offer? Yeah, so we're not a perfect example of this, but it's, it's so true. And this is actually one thing I did learn in business school is that before you start a business, you have to identify a need. Like you have to find out something that people need and that they're going to consistently need before you start up. Right. Cause if you, if you start a business that people like, it's not really essential and it, it's not, people aren't really interested in it, then you're not going to be successful. And we kind of, you might be able to sell to your friends and family, but really that's kind of, <laughs> you'll run out of them pretty quick. And like, uh, it's funny. Cause like a pop shop isn't like, you wouldn't look at it as a need, but 
in southern Alberta, there's just not many things like this that mm-hmm. people have to go and spend a couple bucks and get something that's like that's temporarily satisfying, right? Like there's not many right. opportunities. And so it's I wouldn't really classify it as a need, but I I I do think that like Southern Alberta needed something like this, right? And then <clears throat> it's funny cuz with the with COVID-19 and with people's circumstances that they're in now, I absolutely think it's a need for for families to to have something to do or to to come out. There's been so many times where parents have said, "Oh, our, we're rewarding our kids with something, but this is the only place that's open." Mm-hmm. And so it it's literally like it right now, I would say Jerry's Pop Shop is a bit of a need. And so it's yeah. funny we kind of fluked out with that one with the whole situation. But you're right, like as an entrepreneur, you just have to locate a need and then go with that and make sure that people really will respond to it. That's awesome. Well, I, I hope that uh, as a result of this podcast, we don't have too many lemonade stands that open up and uh, and and provide yeah, some <laughs> some competition. But glorified lemonade stand. But but at the same time, for all you all you students that are listening, like look around and see see what's there, see what opportunities are there that you could apply some of the things that you've learned in school, or you know some of the unique skills and abilities you have. Because truly. You know, anytime I, I feel like I always catch you guys like when I'm like on my way somewhere and I can't stop. Um, but anytime I've driven by, like there's smiles on everybody's faces. It's just like like when you say that it, I think it is providing a very very valuable service to the people of McGrath to to our sanity. And uh, and I'm looking forward to stopping by when I <laughs> when I get a minute and I'm not uh, racing on my way one way or another. Um, well, Brad, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with us. We appreciate the short time that we had with you in McGrath. And, uh, you know, we look forward to, to many, many pops here over the next few weeks. Okay. Thanks so much, Brad. Thanks again, Brad, and good luck to you in the future. Our last guest is Jody Shearlink. Jody and her family run a ranch out in Del Benita. She works from home and now has the opportunity to spend a lot more time with her two boys as they are working through this remote learning environment. All right, so I am here with Jody Shearling. Now, Jody has two students in the McGrath School. Um, Jody, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you guys live, and kind of some back, like educational background for your boys and, and sort of what's going well. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're living out in Del Bonita, so we're lucky to be in a rural area right now um, where we're able to get outside and enjoy some things. Um, I have boys in grade five and grade 10, and uh, this whole schooling from home uh, has been going really good for our household. Um, of course, missing the social side of things, but not much we can do about that right now, but the rest of it's going, yeah, really good. That's awesome. You know, I've, I've heard people say before that school is really geared towards girls. And if we're not careful, we, we teach to the girls and we treat boys as if they're broken girls. And that's sort of a caution that, um, that we as teachers have is to make sure that we don't just try to educate kids in a way that you sit down, you be quiet, you color in the lines and, and everything needs to be perfect. And it sounds to me like your boys are really thriving in an environment where they're able to move a little bit more, where they're able to kind of be more experiential in their learning. Would you say that that's right? 
I would say that that's right. Um, one of the things that we told our boys, uh, you know, kind of when we found out that this was going to be the, the new norm here for a little while was that they're, they're really in charge of whether they succeed with this or not. Um, I think that the McGrath school, both the elementary and the high school have offered every support possible um, through teachers and also just through the way that uh, the schools are putting things out that allows a great deal of flexibility for the kids as far as when they do the work uh, that's been assigned to them. And for me, that's probably the best thing in our house. I have one kid that's very much an early morning. He starts his schoolwork at 6, 6.30 in the morning. That's his time and that's when he wants to do it. So we've supported that and I make sure that I'm available to help him at that time. Um, and he joins his Zoom calls. Uh, other kid, his is a little bit later in the morning, but that's when they choose to do their schoolwork and they've been really consistent in that scheduling. Um, which I think is what keeps us on track. Um, they don't, we only have the one computer, so there's no fighting over the computer that way. Uh, everyone knows kind of when their time is. That's, that's really interesting because I know that that is a struggle for a lot of families that, you know, we don't have a class set of iPads in the living room. So <laughs> trying to make it work where everybody's trying to do digital learning uh, can be a challenge. Um, so, some of the things that you said that are working really well are sort of like flexible times, uh, your kids being able to work at different times. Um, yes. Is there is there anything else that you feel like is just working really, really well, whether it's something that the school is putting out or maybe something that you guys are doing in your home that's just kind of like a, like a, like a homeschool norm? I, I think um, the one thing that we've told the kids is, you know, if there's things that you're struggling with in whatever subject – there is no time to this. So if you need to reread it five times before it's clear to you, do that. If you need to use your resources and then use some Google to, to find answers, um, you know, that kind of brings it all together for you, do that. And um, that comes from when I went to post-secondary education. Um, and even I did most of my junior high by distance learning, uh, but through a public school just because we went to school in Del Bonita and it was really small class sizes. And that's one of the best things that put me through post-secondary. And I think that now that I've got my kids onto it, where it's just really like going as deep as you need to go to figure it out. Um, and that's something that you can take with you um, long past this pandemic being, being done. Right. And I feel like there's a message in there for students, but also for teachers as well. Um, we've had many conversations and staff meetings about what we're seeing that's positive and what we're seeing that's negative. But really the question that we have is what are we learning that really should stick? You know, like there's, there's some things like that, like the flexibility that we're offering um, that just kind of makes us think like, man, maybe there's a way that we need to rethink how we're delivering um, standard education that's going to make it so that it's a more user-friendly experience. Um, in, in your mind and from your position, is there anything from this experience that you would like to see carry on when we go back to the classroom? We're really liking the flexibility. The other thing that I find uh, for my kids is that they typically do one subject a day. So they sit down and work on that subject until it's finished rather than kind of breaking it up. Uh, you know, breaking up their science assignment over two or three days, they might just work on it for two or three hours today and be done. 
Uh, and I think that that's helped them understand it a lot more. And I also think that the quality of their work is probably better. Um, so I, I like that better and my kids like it better. Um, just not so many things on the go. Uh, every day. So you would say like a deeper dive into something has been more beneficial than maybe um, what we would call uh, cognitive multitasking. Um, yeah. Where they're trying to <laughs> trying to keep all these balls in the air and they're able to actually focus on one thing. Well, and I've noticed uh, with both of my kids actually, it's just it's a lot more relaxed. I mean, for a number of reasons, we're, we're home um, with, not, with not a lot of other um, things going on. But with being on the farm, they've been able to get out a lot um, outside and, and work and um, do physical activity and those kinds of things, which is super important. But the, just the closure. We know that today that we're going to do language arts and we're going to do it till it's done today. So that's checking the box we're we're finished we've got the whole subject covered for this week and we can move on to the next thing tomorrow so I think that that's helped them a lot with just kind of completing things and not not always having a little bit of this and a little bit of that just to do right no that's I I really like that to kind of take it as a chunk rather than than little bite here little bite there mm-hmm. um now I need you to be real with me for a second I know that um I've just from things that I've seen on on social media and, and some conversations with friends, there's there's more than a few parents that are struggling right now. Um, I, I like my favorite one that I saw is that we're you know we're two weeks into into this homeschool environment and I've already expelled every single one of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I you know I mean obviously as teachers we worry that that is that that's what happens that it becomes a negative experience for either the student or for the parent. Um, what sort of negative, um, hard things have you guys experienced at your home? And how have you guys dealt with them? Um, as the first week, school? the, the first week was probably the hardest. Um, just kind of as, you know, everyone was juggling the uncertainties, the teachers, the students, the parents. Um, I work full time from home as well. So there was just like a lot of juggling going on and uh, a lot of unknowns so a lot of emotional things played into that but once we kind of knew that hey this was what it was going to look like for an extended period of time and we might as well make the most of it um everything seemed to change i'm not going to say that we don't still have our moments um because we certainly do Mm -hmm. um but it's just uh with the flexibility of you know if today is not the day because we didn't get enough sleep last night or whatever let's just set it aside and go for it tomorrow. Um, but one of the things that we do try with both of our kids is is schoolwork will continue to come first. So when you know what needs to happen for the week, make a plan. Um, make a plan as to how you're going to do that and, and what it's going to look like with the other things going on. Um, we told our kids, you know, as you move into post-secondary, um, there's so many different, different types of people going to schools um, the, the professors don't care that you have sports tonight. They don't care that you're the single parent with three kids um, trying, trying to get through school. They don't know that you only take two classes this semester and someone else is taking five. Um, they, they assign as needed, and that's our job to kind of learn to do those hard things. And, and we told them the, harder, the sooner you learn to do hard things, the easier this is going to get. Um, and that's, that's really kind of what they had to learn to do, and it has become easier for both of them. 
yes. and for us as parents, just because they know to schedule, we know to accept their schedules and, and work with them to get it done. So that's awesome. That's, that's great advice. I think, um, for any of us really, whether we're students or teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a parent learning curve too, because mm-hmm. we're used to having our, our own time and, um, my work didn't change. Danger. <laughs> well, my work didn't change, so I continued to work full time from home, mm-hmm. and so they have to also be respectful of mom's schedule too. So, yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> Thanks again, Jody, for the tips and tricks, and especially for the kind words for us here at the school. And thanks again to all of you for joining us this week. Send us an email at mhsviralbuzz at gmail and tell us what you liked or what you'd like to hear. And don't be afraid to give us a review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. But really, if you want to help us out, send this episode to a couple of friends. All it takes is one or two. I have it on good authority that we are very good at keeping people company while you're doing the dishes, going for a walk, or thank heavens it's finally here cutting the grass. So until next time, thank you for joining us on The Viral Buzz.